And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Plus minus. Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit. Plus minus. That is a word right there. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say? Plus minus. Yeah, like, like you, Marcus Thompson. Marcus always tell the truth. Plus minus. The only thing that I would say to Ethan Strauss is that he's a pretty damn good reporter. Um, he's well plus respected. Minus. I think he got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. Welcome back to Warriors Plus Minus. This is an emotional episode. We come to you with soaring emotions, lumps in our throats, tears in our eyes, because Chris Mullen had some powerful words. Play the sound, Brian. I want to congratulate you on becoming the Warriors franchise all-time leading scorer. Just an amazing accomplishment and milestone. One of many that you've already accomplished in your historic NBA career, but yet passing Will Chamberlain is just an amazing milestone. I mean, I've watched you from day one, and it's just been a pleasure and a joy to watch you. So congratulations, of course. But more importantly, I want to thank you for the way you've done it. The things you're able to do on the basketball court, your work ethic, your discipline, your dedication is unmatched. Your fitness level, which just takes time. True leadership, your appreciation of your teammates. I mean, it's just you bring so much joy and happiness to the world, and it's, it's so appreciated. So I just want to say thank you for that. And probably maybe more importantly, Steph, your humility, your integrity, your class, and your grace, that you, the way you carry yourself on and off the court, just a true role model for, for young and old. So really just want to say congratulations, and thank you for being you, Steph Curry. Slater, how choked up were you uh, <laughs> along with Steph Curry uh, as Chris Mullen showered him with such praise? I was uh, listening. It was a good message. I was also trying to uh, write my story, so I wouldn't say I was choked up. I was more like looking up, like, how many points does Steph have in the first half? Tony Slaker, feeling nothing for Warriors history (laughs) and Steph Curry. What does this have to do with Anthony Davis? I don't understand this. It meant a lot to Chris Mullen, and more importantly, it clearly meant a lot to Steph. So it was a a good message, but was I crying on the other end of the Zoom? No, I'm a hardened journalist who's writing stats down and uh, gathering quotes and was like, "Uh, Chris, can you wrap it up? I've got a question for Steph. I need him to write more about the pick and roll. I would love to spend the next five minutes going over who might have been emotional in the Bay Area media group, but... Tim probably won't allow it. Uh, (laughs) So, Ethan, I was wondering, um, is this a big deal? Or is this a big deal because they're in like this middling season and you got to make a big deal out of this type of stuff? It It felt like that overshadowed a really big win for the team at a really critical moment. Was the Wilt stuff too much of a storyline? You know, I feel like Mullen made it a big deal. I was prepared to just treat it like a speed bump and go, okay, you know, 
I don't know how many people ever talk about Wilt Chamberlain scored X amount of points for the Warriors who weren't even playing in the Bay Area when he was playing for them. I don't know if people really think about that, but it was Chris Mullen seizing the moment. And I don't think you would say it was the most eloquent speech, but it was so genuine and it was heartfelt. And he spoke to this really basic idea that we hard-bitten cynics, people like Anthony Slater might cast aside, which is that Steph Curry gives people a lot of joy. He makes people's lives better with the way he performs and additionally uh, how he carries himself. And even if we're not all in the locker room, there's a sense that he treats the people around him well. And he is in a way, even though he might not say it and Charles Barkley wouldn't endorse it as a mentality, perhaps something of a role model. So Chris Mullen just was the man of the moment, putting that all into salience. And I was very impressed with it. I thought it was well done. You know what? I talked to Mullen beforehand, and he was saying those same things. He clearly is moved by how Steph carries himself. Like that's what he. I'm trying. I was talking to the, the great scorers and trying to figure out like what is Steph, What do they see in Steph that's common? And he he just kept saying how he handles himself, how he carries himself. It's inspiring, right? Like you could tell. It's 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 unique too. I didn't cover Mullen. Tim, you did. I didn't even know he had that heartstring. You know what I'm saying? Like Mullen is Brooklyn, right? Like <laughs> I didn't know he he could pull out the violin and let it rip like he did. But he it really touches him that Steph is a role model type figure. Mullen has that in him. I mean, been around him. I was at his uh, Hall of Fame party, and he definitely gets very emotional about some things. Uh, but he's, he was a perfect guy for this. He did mean it from the heart. It wasn't just you know, PR stuff. It was what he does actually feel. I've heard him say this just in conversation. And I think it speaks to his teammates love Mullen, always love Mullen. And it's the same way Steph's teammates love Steph. You know, when you're a superior player, the rank and file get when you feel like you're one of them, when you support them and when you, and they understand when you don't. And I think Curry, more than anything, it's that he is with these guys he supports them, he gives them credit, and he does his other stuff, by the way, which is makes him this incredible player, one of the you know, 15 greatest all-time, 10 greatest all-time, how we're going to do that. And you guys know me, I'm not one for sentiment, I'm not one for these milestones. My point is, like, there's any question... Uh, he was crying, y'all. <laughs> like, like, there's any, like, there's any question that Steph is the greatest warrior of all time? There's no question. That was solidified by the third championship, solidified by the unanimous MVP, whatever you want to say it was. So some, sometimes I think these are just kind of ticking points. These are just, you know, mileage markers. But I think this one is a time, like, he's at a place where he's still good at 33. He's still good, you know, pre-dynasty, during the dynasty, post-dynasty. There's something important about that kind of longevity with one team. We may never see this again. Who knows? I mean, Zion maybe is going to play forever. No, who knows? We, we don't know. But... That part of it, I think, is important. Even when it's just ticking things down, it's not like this moment should be that different than any other moment when he scored a lot of points and helped him win a game. But sometimes milestones do let you stop, put a period, and say, let's appreciate what this is. Let's appreciate what it is right now. And the Warriors picked the right guy to verbalize it for them. Absolutely. And it does tell you, and as I wrote this morning or tweeted, it's amazing that they isolated and throughout Chris Mullen like they did in the previous administration. It's just incredible. And I was thinking that while it was happening to Chris, 
You're going to do it this to this wild, human being? live, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. this crazy. human being, this human being, you're going to do that to. Ask Eric Housen about Chris Mullen. Ask any. Ask Gary St. Jean about Chris Mullen. Ask anybody, Mitch Richmond, Rod Anybody, Higgins. yeah. Yeah, and this is the person that they decided to exile and t- make Twist in the Wind, and he still comes back, and he gives that kind of heartfelt speech about Steph Curry. It just blows my mind that they put him through that. Previous administration, Cohen, Co- Chris, Co- yeah, Chris Cohan and Robert Ralph. It's probably the greatest indication of who they were, <laughs> right? There almost felt like a subliminal message within that of Chris Mullen having history, understanding what dysfunction can be in that organization, and telling Steph Curry that like you're basically maybe the main reason dysfunction doesn't exist anymore in this organization. And the main reason Chris Mullen is back, I mean, is he in the front office? No, but Chris Mullen's again kind of part of the Warriors franchise, which is probably something he didn't think was ever going to happen again but now he's part of the I game show yeah. I, I didn't think so I, yeah I, I didn't think so clearly this that was like a Ritter special last night that's him working you know like Chris Mullen has been accepted back into the franchise but in general Chris Mullen has accepted the franchise again and it's because Steph Curry you know he's not the only factor here but he's a main factor creating the environment to allow that and you could hear it in the way he was like talking about his leadership and just all that and I think he knows just the way Steph presents himself has allowed the Warriors not to just kind of, you know, drive off a cliff like they used to on a regular basis. Ethan, this reminds me back in the day, uh, the Warriors used to go to Hawaii. Remember that, TK? They used to no, go yeah, to Hawaii absolutely. for yeah. uh, play training the Lakers, camp, and they would play, play the Lakers, Lakers right? Yeah. On my first trip, you know, I'm in Hawaii. I have my wife was with me, and we're just I'm just in a pool, and here comes Mully and uh, Richmond, Mitch Richmond. So Mully gets to the pool, and he's just like, man, he's just sitting there smiling at me, like, look at you, man, you you made it. Look at you. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I'm just, I'm just sitting in the pool, like we. <laughs> he, but he turned it into this big, like, look at you, man, look where you came from. You, <laughs> I, I was like, man, I'm on a company paid uh, trip. I ain't, I ain't got no money. What are you talking about? <laughs> but I was, I was a young beat writer at the time. But he, he just turned into this big kind of kind of moment which maybe that shows how sentimental mullen is i talked to steph before and funny part was steph doesn't even like this stuff i think he had to kind of own the moment like it was big enough for him to like stop and do it but he doesn't like it because it it almost puts like an end to his career he thinks this is the stuff you should do when your career is done and he takes it as a sign that you guys are saying I'm done. If you notice, he keeps saying, I still got a lot left. I'm not close to finish. He keeps saying that, but he doesn't like these moments where you got to stop and Joe shouldn't say, hey, we're going to put thirty number 30 up in the rafters. Yeah, nah, like, nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't like any of that stuff that suggests he's done. So it's funny. I talked to him before, and he was like, kind of like, yeah, I mean, all right. I mean, I understand, but. I'm not done. Like, Steph, the, the way you carry yourself, uh, you know, and I'm talking past tense because it's all over, uh, you know, <laughs> looking back, uh, not going to be many years left, but uh, you done Who good, are you? Steph. Who are you doing there, Ethan? Who are you? I don't know, basic New York, bad New York accent. That's what I'm that. doing. <laughs> Did you see Wilt's stats, by the way? Yeah, he averaged a lot of points. Forty one point five points a game as a warrior. And took him like 420 something games. But to Ethan's point, like, you know, I covered the Warriors for a long time. I've been around this team, and I would not have said that Chamberlain was the leading scorer to this point until, you know, it came up like a year ago when, when Steph was closing in. I thought it was Rick Barry. So records are records. They are what you make of them. This is a big record. Steph was always going to get it. He was, he was always on the trajectory to get this record. It helps that it comes after titles, but 
I didn't know. Again, did you guys all know it was Chamberlain? I didn't know it was Chamberlain. No, I, went, I, I no, had no idea. No, but this is, it almost, like you said, it surprised me that it was. Uh, I don't really remember, you know, obviously I don't remember the word. <laughs> but um, <laughs> the one thing now we can say is like the rightful placeholder is there. You know what I mean? Like this is the guy who should have Mr. That. Warrior, right? Yeah. And he's going to put it in, he's going to put it in a place that nobody else is going to get, by the way. Nobody else is getting this record. The surrounding context now to bring it back to where we live, to bring it away from the heartstrings and to the 30,000 foot view. It is interesting because we're at a moment with the Warriors where I think we we have some sense that Steph has maybe an opinion or two of where this organization should go and how quickly they should get there and how he might be more of the mindset of win now a little bit more than the surrounding front office. So it is an interesting moment considering that surrounding context, considering the Wiseman injury that I'm sure we're going to get into. It's quite the flashpoint, I guess is what I'm saying. We got to get to Wiseman. We might as well use this to get there. Uh, He's out. We don't know how long, but Slater, what are you thinking? Uh, Update us on what we know about Wiseman. They've talked to a few experts now. Obviously, like they had the team doctors, uh, the initial diagnosis of the torn meniscus. Meniscus are, is a very complicated injury, so I like I can't sit here and like detail every possible scenario and imaging that they're going through. But in general, it's either the treatment plan is either you go with like the trim, which is a shorter timeline. If you guys remember, Alan Smiley just tore his meniscus in the preseason and they went with like a the more trim procedure and he was back you know within about four to six weeks he was back on the court you know it wasn't a long absence at all if you go with the repair option which i remember i covered russell westbrook in the 2013 playoffs when patrick beverly undercut russell westbrook and tore his meniscus the thunder went repair route and like immediately announced him out for the playoffs all that they're deciding with james wiseman right now which way to go and they're 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 getting all the expert opinions they can looking at all the imaging i know i know it depends on where on the meniscus the tear is and there's a lot of like varying factors of like how much percent you'd have to trim and 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 how that might affect uh, like the cushion in your knee long term uh, if you had to take it out entirely you'd basically a bone on bone that's not the situation we're talking about with him but they're just again gathering all that and then presenting it to him and, and his age and his team and eventually we'll decide which path to go down at this point they haven't ruled him out for the season because technically if they do the trim like it's possible i guess he could like be dropped back in like the final couple games but i don't think that's a smart decision i don't expect that at all so it's more about what his summer looks like and it is a vital summer for him you know he needs strength work he summer league would be very good for him like if he spends most of his summer rehabbing a knee injury that's not great but at the same time he's a very young player and if they decide the longer rehab path is the best one for his knee then i wouldn't be surprised if they do that but they just haven't decided yet do we know about a summer league, by the way, Slater? Is there going to be a August. summer league? August. Sounds, sounds yeah, yeah. like likely okay. August. You got Warren Legary on the other yeah, line. Yeah, yeah. No, listen, no. baby. Listen, stud. We're going to have summer league. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be like three summer leagues in one. It's going to be incredible. It's happening for sure. It's it's. It, it. Ethan's bringing all the characters on the pod today. <laughs> Only the ones with New York accents, apparently. Uh, <laughs> but uh... Should they... Uh even be trying to consider to bring him back this year if they make the playoffs do you want him to get that experience at this point i think it's pushing it and you know maybe if it's minor 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 and you you have zero worries about him re-entering it or being you know out of shape or whatever we might be which we always talk about with injuries then maybe but i don't i think they're so that percentage is so low 
that you just say out for the season and you know practices with them you know during the playoffs or whatever you know whatever this run is we've seen that right guys are we're looking at oh what the hell is he doing oh he's just practicing with the team while they're in this postseason run to give them the feel for it to give them the feel for what they're all going through being a teammate and then you try to get him to summer. I think summer league would be really important for him. Now, maybe if he does go undergo a serious surgery, that's not going to be probable. But, man, I think he, he's one guy that you could really say summer league would be terrific for him. I, More I than just summer league. He just needs a summer where he's, the whole not, thing. Yeah, the he's whole not just process. going into the facility and, like, doing knee strengthening exercises. It's like going in and, like, doing, you know, lower body workout, then to the court. Then he's working on the three-pointer. Then they're working on, you know, some screen and roll type stuff. Like, not just working on the knee. I might be singular on this. I do think he was progressing. I do think this is... No matter what, this is a wrench in the plans because you're going to see no progression for the rest of the season if he is out for this. But I do think he was, even before this most recent run, I think there were, again, there were always going to be clunkers. There were always going to be games you go, what the hell is he doing? But I think there were fewer of those. I think he was doing more concrete things. I think he was definitely feeling the scoring, and that's where he's going to help them you know, quicker than anything. And... You know, if you freeze him right now and put him in the regular season, I think you have a, 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 a you have a player. And you know, if you you look at him improving over the offseason, I think you have a real player. I, I, it's disappointing for them, I'm sure, not to see him for these final whatever 18 games and possibly in the playoffs. But there were progressions. I think he showed enough in the last three weeks, let's say, that you know he's on this rising slope. Will be delayed by this. I think if we're going to view his season, I think it was in general a sign that he's getting better and it could be getting better in, in a major way. This is why I say just shut him down. Like, let him go into the offseason with this high, right? Like, yeah, you were, you were hooping finally instead of, you know, potentially getting back out there and being rusty and uh, doing something to hurt his confidence again. I say let it ride. The hands were looking good the last The hands were looking Yeah, Slater called this one, right? He's like saying, well, we were all going, man, I don't know what about this hand. You're saying, no, it'll get better if he just slows down, if he just plays basketball. And he's catching stuff behind his head. You know, the things I, you know, stuff off the bounce, much better, much better. And that is a huge thing for him. Just, you know, you're that tall and you can catch the ball. That means you're going to score 14 points a game, <laughs> literally. It's just, it's just You can do it if you can catch the ball and you're that tall. They finally simplified his role, his offensive. And, you know, that's that could be a, a rightful criticism of the of the staff, of, of Kerr's staff early in the season, you know, which we talked about, the way they flooded his brain, tried to make him bogut, all that stuff. But in a more simplified role, he, he did seem to just be operating more calm out there, and that seemed to help his hands. And also, like, he was getting a nice little connection with Steph, but also Jordan Poole in the last few games. And, like, in one way, you guys are right. Like, that's a, that's a sliver of optimism. He, he's not heading into his probable offseason on a down note. It was kind of a high note the last three games. But at the same time, man, they could have used 19 more games of him in pick and roll with Steph and, and Jordan Poole. Like, that is a bad blow. Right now, the evaluation, and I don't know if I want to completely segue, but it's not, do the Warriors look better without... Wiseman. You know, they probably do just because he's a rookie. He's so young. He's going to make mistakes. Right now, I'm looking at them. I'm looking at that Denver game and going, you know what? When Tim said it, he really wanted to couch it and not make it seem like a hot take that you could replace what Ubre's doing with, uh, you know, an assortment, a smorgasbord of other wing options. I'm ready to go there. I, I don't think. pool gets it done, yeah. you think? Yeah, yeah. Like I, mean, I know. Column. Small samples. Sounds like a column. Small sample. 
<laughs> Small sample size, but just does not fit, especially when they bring Clay back, who is a sniper, but not a, not exactly a, a distributor. Can we just say he plays too selfish? He just plays too selfish for the situation for this team? He's got tunnel vision. There's no question about that. And, hey, they miss him trying to guard those guards, though, right? I mean, they, there are some guards who are getting off on them. Not last night so much, but Ubre could help them on. I've just said, and I've gotten ripped for some, now Ethan can get ripped for this more than me, please. I've just said, I don't know that what he does is that much more valuable than Bazemore plus Damian Lee plus Jordan Poole. And we saw that last night. They all did some something. You know, Poole wasn't a great game, but he did something. And Damian Lee had another good game, and he played some defense. He was just swiping the ball from poor Jokic a couple times. And Bazemore runs into people. He plays bumper cars. He does weird things, and he ends up doing positive things. You know, like, I just don't know that Oubre's value is this exponentially higher than what you can get out of those three guys or just two of those guys. I, I really don't. And I'll keep going with it. I, and I agree. with Ethan, your, your, your incredible hot take, I, I, will, I will concur. I'll be the Oubre guy on this one. <laughs> I want to couch it a little bit. I want to say I wasn't against them getting him, and I think it showed a certain admirable willingness by the front office to spend. There was a theory of the case that this guy, Phoenix, terrible situation traditionally. Maybe we unlock something with him, and he flourishes and becomes an all-star. I totally get it. I'm not knocking them getting him. I just think they've seen enough. I don't think it fits. I think he plays too selfish. He doesn't seem willing to have a role that is, uh, that's lessened, which is what they need from him. just doesn't work to me. I had one more Wiseman thing I wanted to say, but if Marcus wants to jump in on Oubre at all. Yeah, defend Oubre. For one, uh, I don't think you could put any of those guys on a star player for any length of time. And I think you can with Ubre, and I, I think that matters. I don't think you just find guys who could do that. You could literally put Ubre on, pick the perimeter player for 25 minutes and know you're going to be okay. Bazemore is going to foul. Jordan Poole can't keep up with him. And Damian Lee, eventually that star will have his way. But you know you could put Ubre on that guy, you're going to be able to hold your own. And part of it is not having to double, not having to switch or help. So I, I think that is invaluable. I, I don't think that, that that's what made Clay so invaluable is that you can do that and you just can't find those guys. They aren't on the wire and you could do it two or three times, but man, those three dudes better be in sync, in sync, in sync. Because, you know, if you start with Baysmore and then you switch to Jordan Poole, a guy like Damian Lillard is going to light you up on the switch if the guy can't you know follow the game plan it's that ability to put a guy especially in a playoff series Ubre, this is your guy give him hell for most of his minutes and i do think that's invaluable i also think part of this is we're accepting we're saying yeah you know he doesn't fit but a large part of that's because you're just basically saying well wiggins is there and that's not moving so the only other thing that can move and i'm like yeah that is accepting that Part of it is like, yo, uh, you know, maybe maybe some adjustments need to be made on that other side too. And plus, we don't, we just don't know. If you let Ubre walk and a trade happens and you get and Wiggins is out, now do you need Ubre? 
It'd be nice to have Ubre if the Wiggins is not there. I think if Ubre operated more in a Wiggins way, and it's weird because we've said it the opposite a lot this year, where like if Wiggins had a little bit more Ubre confidence or you know aggression in him. But the problem is like Ubre, like defensive coaches love Ubre because you're right, he's like a, he's an electric factor on the defensive end. But offensive coaches don't like him because he affects the offense and he thinks he is a budding all star offensively he wants his shots he, he kind of calls his own number a lot where Wiggins kind of plays more within the flow that's a big difference yeah like he'll guard Lillard on one end and then he'll guard everybody else on the other end I mean that's what it kind of feels like at this point where they can't afford this not if they're going to play this pick and roll thing with Wiseman in the future Secondary. they can't afford to have guys you sag off who's better in transition by the way on this team yeah, Ubre's yeah, great in transition. Like he, they and know, Wiggins, they, he and Wiggins. I mean, are any of the guys you name ain't replacing that transition ability and that finishing ability and that rebounding. And by the way, he's their backup power forward right now. So I mean, all the uh, he he's got value, but they won without him. And I think some were just implicitly saying Clay's back. So there's these minutes are going to be more scattered. We don't know what version of Clay will be back, but if in their ideal version, where Clay is. 80%, 90% of what he was defensively and making those shots and the minutes are trimmed down. I don't know that Oubre is that important of a player. I, I re- and, and as we you go the Slater way and you can get a sign and trade, you get a pick for him, you get a trade exception, and they could turn that into some, something else. I said it early, I'll keep saying that. I just don't know that letting Oubre go for nothing is going to be that much of a deal to them. They need Clay back. They don't necessarily need Oubre back. We will be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and Cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. I'll use the Ubre to transition to the thing I want to say about Wiseman. Currently, Ubre is out because he had uh, it was actually a really impressive dunk where he should have got an and one on it. Out, Robin Lopez whacked him across the arm and he he landed sprained his left wrist second time this season. He sprained a left wrist landing on a dunk. Marquise Chris broke his leg early in the season landing on a dunk. And James Wiseman has been injured twice his rookie season, both on crash landings. One was a wrist that bent back. He missed eleven games because of it. It really you know it stunted his growth. When we talk about his full rookie season season that was a huge moment he was starting to gain a rhythm before the wrist injury and then misses 11 games comes back looks out of sync now he has you know hurt the meniscus on you know what was a crash landing on a dunk he plays a kind of dangerous style you look at Blake Griffin how old Blake Griffin now like 30 31 I think 32 yeah by the same his age as style punished him 
Russell Westbrook a little bit. I, I, you know, he he honestly lasted a lot longer. But you know, remember Dwayne Wade early in his career, fall down seven times, get up eight. He was the crash dummy. He started to use his skill, the the bank jumper. I never understood the math of that, by the way. Sorry to interrupt you, but how does that? Even, okay, sorry. Like, how do you get up eight if you fall down seven? Slater, continue. I, I Jeff Van Gundyed this segment. I apologize. Uh, all good. <laughs> Wiseman playing kind of dangerously like that was a dangerous dunk attempt and, and you do not want to strip him of his aggression and 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 you love his finishing ability at the rim and, and the lob threat and I'm not saying don't attempt to dunk but look I mean like if over a any four game stretch he's going to fly in for 12 attempted dunks and be successful on a handful maybe miss a couple um, he's going to have 12 high flying landings and any one of those at any time can hurt him and like that's something that I think as he ages, he's going to need, you know, and he has the skill and like, but we also say don't fall in love with the jumper. It's going to, it's a tricky balance. And it's just because he's now been injured to two pretty significant injuries, his rookie season on dunk attempts. It's something to start thinking about. I think, I think a problem with that is not necessarily that he's going up. I think he's going up too soft. He got hurt because a six, six wing met him at the top. There's no way he should be the one going back on that. There's no way he should be the one when that shot gets blocked, he's the one leaning back. He went up, he jumps, he attacks the rim like he's a guard. When he needs it, in that situation, he jumped off one foot, he needs to take that one power dribble and go up with two hands and power through that dude. But that goes to what you've said from the beginning, like his issue with contact. Also strength, but you know, he's tw- you know just turned 20. Yeah, strength, like, he just needs to get yeah. stronger, which he will. In that situation, there, there's just no way Kenyon Martin Jr. should be able to successfully knock him off that line in the middle of the air. Like, and that's because he just he went up to dunk, but he wasn't going up with like this force and authority. I think if he if he gets that part where it's like one bounce, two hands, and I'm destroying whoever's in front of me, that should have been a punishing dunk over Kenyon Martin. Not okay. Now I fall back and I hurt my knee because he blocked it. To me, that's a sign. If he got, he's got to get stronger and he's got to have a more physical, aggressive mentality. Especially if you're in the air, like you got to dominate that space up there. If you're the vertical, you know, if if you're the vertical spacer, you got to get up there and and force your wheel up there, not being forced upon. Two foot jump. That's like, I mean, that's Two part of the jump, game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like if you're that big, you can delay a little bit because no one else is going to get that high. If he gets two foot, two feet down and up, like Pascal's a two foot jumper. He just can't get high enough to give up that delay. He can't get high enough, you know, no matter what. He barely, he barely gets up. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. I'll be two, wondering how he dumps it because it looked like he could feet, get up high. Enough. I know, with the two feet. With Wiseman, you can get the two feet under you and just go up because well, Shaq was a two-foot jumper. And guess what? It wasn't a problem because you take the time to gather. Dikembe's not blocking that shot. I don't care if, if you take the time to gather and you're that big. You're just going to get higher than everybody else. But that's part of the game slowing down. That's part of feeling the rhythm, feeling what he can do in an NBA space. And you know what? Wiseman has shown some touch not dunking. Some, you know, like little spin moves, little flips. Yeah, the flip uh, yeah, shot, yeah, the, the little know. running flip shot was pretty good recently. Yeah, so he, you know, he doesn't have to dunk everything. It's just a matter of feeling what's right and when it's right to do it. But absolutely, he doesn't need to go out there flying like he's Kobe through there because he's not Kobe. He's got to go in there like he's Shaq, 
and I can't believe I came down to that, but I guess because of my Laker coverage, that's my comparison. No, it's for real, though. I think if he had that mindset, he'd own the paper. I think he's trying to dunk, too, because it's a sure way to make it. (laughs) You know, I think he's... I think he's like he doesn't like missing. He likes it. I've talked to him about it. He it's it's a very fun thing to do, and, and he's good at it. When yeah, you know when, exactly. when he when he's a, he's he's like that's he's within six feet of the rim. That thing's going down as opposed to judging whether he can flip it over the rim, off the backboard, whatever. But yes, I think being hurt twice, doing these flying dunks, should be some sort of lesson for him. Some should you know learn a little bit from it. We shall see when I don't know when we're going to see him again. You know maybe not till the first exhibition game next season. It's a big decision they have in regards to him. I, I know that they wouldn't want to ever say there's any chance that he would be traded, but there's a timeline misalignment for the Warriors right now and difficult decisions, and it seems like everything needs to be on the table. I don't think it's so bad that this season is a bit of a wash for them. I mean, nobody says this, but I kind of think, unless you're the Lakers and you can put together back-to-back banners this doesn't feel as important a season to succeed in as other seasons. Can we say that? I mean, this season feels... For everybody? For everybody? Yeah, yeah. It feels a little bit of a mess, a little bit of a gimmick. You've got Cuban going, uh, maybe we shouldn't have had it like this, and uh, maybe we shouldn't have the play-in tournament. It just doesn't seem like the same... You think back to the way cities react to a championship and what Toronto looked like in 2019, what Oakland looked like in 2015... It doesn't seem like the prize, I guess, is what I'm saying. The prize is at the level it sometimes is. And so this is this is a good season to kind of rebuild as frustrating as it is for a lot of fans. We're going to have two seasons of throwaway seasons. At some point, you do have to say, you know, because they're playing this season, the championship matters. I see what you're saying, but the last season, I could really feel that way. This one, uh, we'll see how the playoffs play out. But I'll ask you, Ethan, so what is Wiseman's trade value then? Or, or even different, if he was in this year's draft, this year, right now, assuming he's not going to play anymore, where does he go in this year's draft? In this year's draft? Oh, yeah. wow. Um, are we talking top about five? Are you... the top five? Ooh, man. It's hard because Mobley probably goes in front of him, I think, right? That would be the consensus. And so at that point, that really knocks you down a peg or two because your position, you are behind somebody else at a position that teams aren't exactly clamoring for. So he might be out of the top five. I'd have to really look into it. If he was out of the top five, though, he should be six, you know, because like there's a pretty people believe a pretty significant drop off uh, after those five. And Kuminga, to me, it seems to be really separating as the number five from the the top four so maybe he's in the Kaminga. Jalen Green's been looking good somebody put together a video of uh, the way he's shooting the way he's playing people have maturity concerns with him I'm not sure exactly what that means but that's somebody who's also and then Suggs with the it's just there are and there is a little bit of um the shine comes off you when you get in an NBA uniform and start making mistakes. It's such a strange scenario to try to have that conversation because we've seen Wiseman make mistakes and look mortal on an NBA court. The same thing could happen to Mobley, right? But we just haven't seen it yet. So it's a a hard comparison. And as far as his trade value goes, it's a lot different if you're calling us versus if we're calling you, right? If the Warriors are shopping him, then everybody gets the sense that, ooh, there's something wrong with this guy. They don't want him. Versus if a team needs to trade their unhappy superstar and they call the Warriors up and go, look, uh, we need to get this guy out of town. You've got something for us we're intrigued by. 
there you can get some value. So I, I it's a situation where I don't think they could ever shop him, but if the opportunity presented they itself, either. yeah, they shouldn't. They shouldn't shop. They shouldn't. Him. Like he should be used if a superstar is available. Is there one? I don't know. We'll see. I mean, to me, like all eyes continue to point at Bradley Beal, but all quotes from Bradley Beal continue to indicate he's not leaving. So I don't know. I think the playoffs, the the meaningless playoffs Ethan's talking about will factor in. Meaningless. It's not meaningless, but, but it's like it's like it matters twenty percent less, is what I would say. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know, fans are going to be back in the arena, including back in Chase, which will be fun coming up, by the way. I don't know if, if you guys are going to that. It sounds like around 6,000, 6,500 fans in there. It's And I talked to somebody who's, like, very much in on, on the process. He's like, it's going to feel like there's a good amount of people in that building on April 23rd. I'm very curious about that. Because, I'm like, that the Giants games right now, at the beginning, it seemed like teams with baseball were getting capacity. But I think the last Giants game, they... They had half their completely uh, minuscule capacity, unless I'm reading it wrong. So I'm super curious what the habits are going to be for an indoor, indoor event. Super curious about that. So, but whatever it is to what Anthony is saying, it's going to sound like a lot because we haven't had it. Just like in that Packers playoff game, it sounded like a massive crowd. It felt like seventy thousand people yeah. were in that thing. So, yeah, really curious about that and. Um, it's tough decisions, man. It's tough decisions for the Warriors, the $5.5 billion Warriors franchise. Speaking of tough decisions, Steve hinted at picking up a big. Once again, they look really good without bigs, even though Looney played a, a, a lion's share of those minutes. 31 minutes was a career high for Kevon yeah, Looney. Does oh, Ethan get a victory lap many? here? Does Ethan hey, I called <laughs> the Kevon Looney renaissance. Looney. I, I was... Looney I was mocked. Didn't score Are you back in those on it? 30. I was scored, and, and we didn't score, Anthony. And where would they be without him right now? Are, you know, who foresaw that Looney would be their healthiest center this season? By far, by far, it's not yeah. even close. Well, it's when you never jump. Uh, there are benefits to that approach. Should Steve Kerr just go all in on small ball, see how many of these last 18 games they can win? Oh, my Lord. Looney Looney comes up huge for this team. They badly need him. They beat the vaunted Nuggets. And just immediately, the conversation on the podcast shifts to marginalizing Looney and getting him out of here. Unbelievable. He battles Nikolai Jokic, the MVP, for 31 minutes. He gets 11 rebounds. Looney is needed in those matchups right there. Nikolai Jokic, no he needs question. to play 31. No question. He's going to play 20 to 25 no minutes. But to your question, and I've talked to some people, there's a thought of like maybe add a big, and they've definitely had meetings about it. And, you know, there, there are names out there. Veterans, Noah Vonley and, you know, Omari Spellman. You know, I don't know what type of shape he's there in, but go. there's a name out there. Oh, he's available. Wow. There, you know, there are different options to get a big body in in case it's needed, in case you know six more fouls are needed against bigs. But at the same time, the general thought is, number one, is Steve Kerr going to play whoever they bring 
in and number two should he i mean they're better right now in jta at the five minutes draymond needs to play a lot of center minutes you do still have looney there although you know like you mentioned like his health is always a question mark. what's the word with pascal by the way you know he says he's feeling better he actually talked i think wait yesterday or two days ago um the hips feeling a lot better i believe the official reevaluation is early next week uh, i can't remember the exact timing on it but because that, that could change it because you know you, you again they do play him at center and you know he's on the roster, and it's a way to get him minutes. And you know you don't need a seven footer the way they play. I could see them like it just. I could see this decision weighing on whether they think Pascal's actually going to give them some minutes or can give them some minutes. The least. other thing I would say is like there's only 18 games left. They're not trying to make a deep playoff run. Just lean into this identity. It's kind of like the Rockets did it last year with PJ Tucker at I center. Yeah. Like just lean in. Just go with it, JTA. Yeah, gets JTA minutes, and you know he's a guy who looks good in his minutes. And I've said that I don't know that I see him as a main rotation guy, but when he kind of JTA is a rotation guy, we quit hating on the Oakland man. Uh, I know, I tell you, <laughs> believe me, I hear about it. But no, he's he looks good. He looks good when when he plays. I'm I'm not disputing that. I am against I'm against Marcus on Ubre, but I'm with Marcus on JTA as rotation man. If you can find a way to get him in the rotation, I don't object to it. He does stuff. He plays defense. He passes the ball. He makes cuts. These are interesting. He makes things open threes. No, he doesn't anymore. <laughs> when he is makes he, when open is he done? threes. When is, when does that happen in practice? It hasn't happened in a while. But I have no problem with them putting JTA in, 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 a, in a in a ancillary to to supporting rotation role. He he plays fine, no question about that. And the other thing is, anyone they add, like should they play over him again? It's like Noah Vonley. Like should he come in and, and get minutes over JTA? No, I don't think so. I'm sorry, he's seven for his last seventeen from three. What do you mean? Yeah, from when was the last made one? By the way. Was the last May one? Mark, he hasn't played. He played 58 <laughs> minutes in April. What you want him to do? Steve Kerr's His three-point percentage is better than Steph's, Tim. I'll have you know that. Yeah, he, he <laughs> hasn't played. He can't. But he, take, take, he takes smart shots. He takes them when they're open. I mean, I'm like, fine with JTA. I'm fine with JTA. Please, <laughs> don't make this any other thing. No, nah, no, nah, we're going to make this a thing that you hate on your original city. We need to circle back to, to Marcus blaming James <laughs> Wiseman for his own injury by not being tough enough. That's what needs to be aggregated out of this. That was a take. That was a take. <laughs> no, literally, he goes no, we, like a guard. I, I got what you're saying. I'm just, we're just seriously though i think they need to stay small and make this push for the sake of steph and draymond right like you almost have to do it just because like you you owe it to them to let them play how they how they play right to not they no longer have to be veteran leaders and teachers right just give them 18 games of pick and roll right of high pick and roll any more nico Mannion after last night Mm. You know, I mean, they, had, they actually they pulled Poole because he was playing so poorly on defense, and they put Mannion in there, and it was more of the same. So, but okay, they so do have, TK, they do you have got an the issue with those. For that? Do you understand, like, pulling pool for defense and replacing it with Mannion? For I know, that's like, the problem. <laughs> I know, I'm saying that is the, that I is the that problem. I know, that is the problem. I think they pulled out Poole mostly because he had played, like, because he came in middle of the first, and I think he played, like, eight straight minutes, and they did want to have him in the closing lineup. 
of the half. So yeah, but he also totally blew an assignment. And, right and he didn't have the range. He was he was shanking. He, he wasn't he wasn't on it. The microwave wasn't on. But but the, the, yeah, that is a problem though. You like to have versatility in your backups, and they have not versatility in their backups. They have two guys that uh, their young guards are neither one of them you want defensively out there. You're going to try to hide them both. So that becomes an issue. You know, it's not a perfect roster. We know it. And they'll have Clayback whenever else they're going to do. But uh, that was interesting to say, okay, if it's not pool defensively, then it's going to be Mannion. That's who we're going to go. That's our defensive stopper on, on any Should have been Gary point. Payton the second. There you go. They there did go. use him for like a final yeah. possession, but not. Yeah, he, that's what he does. He puts him out there for a final defensive position. Do, do you think, uh, do you think that maybe that was a Steve teaching moment of Jordan Poole, this is how bad you're playing on defense. We're putting Mannion in. That's how bad you are. This is how you need to learn. Oh, I thought he was teaching Mannion. <laughs> Let me show you how not ready Just like you the are. speech they're going to give to Smiley Each. We're going to get Amari Spellman back in here because you can't do it for us. <laughs> oh, man. That's that's crazy. Steve has definitely adjusted, though. He's uh, he's 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 kind of given way to what... Uh, you know what people were saying he wasn't doing like there's a lot of pick and roll a lot of iso like he's he's staying with small guys he's putting in like everything he's been criticized for he's kind of just doing uh i wonder how long it lasts but it just feels like the way steph was playing uh, you know against denver the way draymond was playing that wasn't that wasn't just because it was Denver. that was like all right we're gonna get to play that felt like they were like all right now it's our time to go we can just play our way. We got our small guy. We got our big and loony. We got our reliable big, our trusty big and loony. Which, by the way, did y'all see at the end of that game how loony was on Jamal Murray and Draymond was on Jokic? They they, they uh, guarded the pick and roll, the Denver pick and roll with loony and Draymond, which I tell you is pretty big sign of the confidence in Looney to put him on Jamal Murray but either way if you get the switch you got somebody on him but that's some incredible versatility by Looney there to just it's, be on it's Jamal. It's a good point but now I'm just thinking about Jamal Murray and how that all went that was uh it does remind me of something that's not so sad because I'm reminded of Azubuki uh, running through the play and saying that he didn't even know if he could watch it but going through it yeah, he was like, I don't know yeah. if I want to see this. Well, you know, exactly. he had a... Yeah, and that, I, I was brought back to that. I will say this. Uh, we knock one guy in that broadcast a whole lot. I think Azabuki has been getting better on broadcast by the game. And for the most part, I, I like what he brings to the table. And he pushes back. Increasingly, he pushes back on fits. He, I love how he pushes back. And it's very subtle sometimes, right? It's, it's smooth. It's not confrontational it's a little bit less overt than barnett used to do but he does like what what i like about zabuki is you could tell he's such a player because he notices those things that players like really pay attention to and fitz will just like talk through it but he'll <laughs> he'll talk about it like with bays airball that free throw he's just like oh, oh he just kept like that that's embarrassing like he, you could tell he's thinking like I, if i was a guy on the bench that would be a big deal to me right we'd be laughing at bays more and he admits when they get a call they shouldn't have gotten. It just feels like there's more objectivity coming from him. It's been a nice progression. Uh, 
<laughs> There's just this little subtle moment where uh, Fitz is going on again. Uh, I, you know, I love my four-year players. And Asabuki goes, yeah, maybe a little too much. <laughs> it's just a... Yeah, yeah, that was really good. Yeah, yeah. That was no, he, good. I think Helena, Helena started with a lot of promise. You know, I, I think obviously... Uh, starting in the middle of you know you don't know how good you're going to be but i definitely think he's finding a voice and i have noticed like a little barnett there which is good which is necessary and gives the broadcast a little life so and he yeah he does notice stuff and he you're right he notices like the interactions he notices what steph's facial expression yes, probably is communicating yep. he, you know, he noticed the flex remember he's telling yep, the broadcast like hold yep. it wait wait here it comes yep. Yep, that little and stuff, that yeah. is really interesting stuff. And it's he's only going to get better. He's only going to become more important in that broadcast. But it's Barnett like, and again, we all can say that's that's a good thing. That's a it's good to have a little bit of a pushback on some of the things that are said on that broadcast. Just a little bit, just, <laughs> just, a, little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. Slater, what's the next Slater games? It's a road trip. It's a five game road trip uh, that begins with two absolute i don't want to say must wins because that comes with the context like if they lose it's season over but like you better win games the thunder begin it on wednesday night uh the thunder have deactivated al horford a healthy al horford shea gilgis alexander's out they just signed a guy from the, the uh euro league from real madrid to get up to the salary floor they're not trying to win uh, they're they're trying to get in the Cade Cunningham sweepstakes and bring him right down the road from Stillwater, Oklahoma. So you oh, need to go in and win Slater. that game. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, you need to go in and win that Wednesday game. And then you go to Cleveland, another team who isn't completely in the tank. I mean, these are two of the three worst teams in the NBA right now, which I should mention. The Timberwolves are playing better than the Rockets. They just tied them in the record. They're probably going to advance beyond them. So the sixth and seventh picks are becoming more into play for the Warriors. But again, the Warriors need to win these first two games of this road trip. Thunder Cavaliers. Slater makes the Thunder sound like the team from Major League. Uh, <laughs> it's. Uh... Do you want to? Uh, all right, all right. Uh, no, no, I don't want to. No, no, no. I'm, I'm about to go look at their rotation from the last game. Do you want me no, to call Sam bad. Presti right now? Do you want me to do it? Do it's all bad. They've got a cardboard cutout of Presti in the locker room of the Thunder right now. <laughs> Ripping pieces of the suit off. The final thing is the glasses. The score in the last game was... Darius Baisley, 17 points. Their starting lineup right now, Theo Maladon, Moses Brown, Lou Dort, solid defender. Like that. Alexi Pokachevsky, who they're letting who they're letting just chuck shots. Uh in the Darius Baisley starting off the bench. Kenrich Williams, Tony Bradley, V. Mikhailuk, Ty Jerome, Jerome Robinson. Right now. That's that's terrific. Justin Robinson, my bad. Justin Robinson, not Jerome Robinson. Um and then to finish the trip out, it gets tougher after that. You're talking Boston on an ABC Saturday night. Then you're talking about the Sixers and Wizards, who are playing better, just obviously beat the Warriors on that late collapse. And wait, the, the, wait, the, the, thun the, the Thunder Utah. got an ABC Saturday game? Or is it the Warriors? No, no. Oh, Boston. Warriors. Boston. Boston. Sorry, 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 sorry. Oh, I'm going over the Warriors. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is, a, this, is a Warriors, this is a Warriors podcast. I, saw, I was looking at Andy Lou tweets. I admit it. I'm Easy. sorry. Should have been listening. <laughs> Thunder, Cavaliers, yes, Celtics, Sixers, Wizards. That should be three and two at least. You got to get two and zero early, and then you you should win one of those last three. Boston is not having a very good season. They're beatable. It'll be tough, but they're beatable. Sixers are going to be very tough. Wizards are beatable too. So 
I would say three and two is. The, oh, and they got they got vengeance on their minds against the Wizards. They got vengeance. They should. Three and two, and then they get their big right run of home games, right, or close to their big run of home. Yeah, games, so. it, it begin. It's like I think something like eleven out of the last like fifteen or something like that. Four one, four one. I'm just looking at this, look at my calendar now. I go okay. Once I get back from the homestand, I might be disappeared to 49er draft land forever. Uh, but uh, you should that's at least a whole other discussion. A whole one. other. Bu- you should at least all yeah, over I'll, the I'll, Mac Jones era of 49er football, Mac baby. Jones. It's all Mac Jones. Oh man, if they dra- if they draft him, I keep, like it'll be just oh, this is gonna implode. To, to, the Bay Area is gonna literally uh, implode. I got, a, I got a column on this ready to go for later today. Let's put it that way. So no, no way, Kyle's doing that. All right, uh, that's, you sure? Once we you start sure? talking 49ers, no, I'm not sure actually, but not sure. But, but once we start talking 49ers, that means we are done with this episode of Warriors Plus Minus. To all our listeners, we will holler at you next week.